Welcome to About Faith with Alec Klein. I'm honored to be your host of this weekly half-hour program airing on HLE Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and replayed Sundays at 5 p.m. Central. We'll be hearing inspiring stories from people from all walks of life sharing with us their journey to faith. Today we're with Gary Tarashita. He's a man of great faith, but I'm not sure you would have said that once upon a time. Gary was once weighed down by afflictions of, how shall we call it, earthly concerns. Until the life that he knew came tumbling down and he was faced with a decision. But let's hear this beautiful story from Gary. Gary, please start from the beginning, wherever that might be. It wasn't until uh, I turned 25, which was in uh, 1980, that uh, I realized the path I'd chosen when I was 13 was a dead-end road. Uh, well, Gary, what was that path that you chose? Well, it was, it was basically the hedonistic path that <laughs> most people live when they uh, decide God's not that important and the church is not that important. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just took off... Uh, you know, making my own way, and and uh, a lot of it, or even early on, I don't remember what age this actually started to manifest, but at a very early age, I figured uh, financial success was really the way to make it uh, in life. Wow. So I set a goal pretty early on, and I, I remember telling people this when I was still in high school, that uh, I was going to be a millionaire by the time I was 25. That was ah. where I was headed. That road uh, basically led me to running a construction company in uh, Southern California in the San Bernardino Mountains uh, and really had accumulated uh, between uh, property and, and um, assets pretty close to my goal of uh, <laughs> about $750,000, I think is where we were at about that time. I reached that zenith in uh, pretty much the end of 79 toward the beginning of 1980. And for those of you who are old enough to remember, that was under the Jimmy Carter administration. And uh, his policies resulted in interest rates of well over 20%. And it was pretty much downhill from there uh, as far as the company's concerned. We had a bunch of houses in the ground, not all of which were sold. And um, so that really was the beginning of the that breaking point in my life where I came to realize ultimately... Well, can, wait, can I, yeah, go ahead. Can I, let me stop you there. You, in addition to sort of this goal uh, to become a millionaire, which in, I guess, some ways is is the American way, right? Or to some yeah. at least it is. But you, you mentioned sort of a hedonism. Was it? Did it go beyond that, or was it? Was it focused really just on sort of this uh, worship of money, if you will? Oh no, no, no! It it it, it was basically everything. Uh, my marriage was falling apart. We, uh, Kim and I married in 1972, so by the time 1980 rolled around, you know, about eight years had, had elapsed, uh, and neither of us were, were Christians at that point. Um, so my life had lapsed not only into that pursuit, but uh, and I think most people who are honest about it will yeah. confess that when when you when your focus is not on your Creator not on the, 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 the being who made and keeps all the rules. Yeah. It's, you just go off the rails and you take all these paths. So, sure, it manifested in what was probably alcoholism. It yeah. wasn't a deal where, you know, I'd go on binge and be completely out of it for days at a time. It wasn't that. But I was, you know, I was drinking heavily. Uh, I had a subscription yeah. to Playboy magazine. 
uh, you know, pretty much most of the – the one thing I never did, which I'm so grateful to the Lord for, uh, looking back on it, of course, um, is that never led me into gross sexual sin, even mm-hmm. though I was into the Playboy. Never cheated on my wife. Um, you know, never uh, you know went that path of, of right. total sexual hedonism. But far enough, plenty far enough. Uh, so you had strayed, is what you're saying, by this point when things were in trouble as far as the, the business. It sounds like business, and obviously those things were contributing to the decline of my marriage. Yeah. As well, we had uh, actually we ended up with three kids by that time. We have three grown kids now. And by that time, all three had been born. Uh, the the youngest was I don't even remember now, maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, just to kind of proceed in the story, yeah. Uh, one of the other thing in my pursuit, one of the things I was doing, I would watch what was going on in the world. I would watch what was going on in the financial markets, and I bought some gold, uh, Krugerrands. Mm-hmm. But in the process of the the business going down, I basically it came down to having one Krugerrand, <laughs> and my little brother was getting married in in uh, Dallas, I think it was. No, it might have, must have been Austin, Austin, Texas. And uh, you know, we committed. Frankly, I think part of it was just to get out of, just get away from California. And that sort of <laughs> but we yeah. decided, my wife and I decided we would go, and we were we were going to take a train, so we'd make a trip out of it. Well, one of many. Um, uh, movements of the Holy Spirit and God's providence in our lives was it turned out that and we just didn't our bank account was almost completely depleted uh, it turns out that cashing in that one Krugerrand was exactly the amount of money we needed for the train ticket Wow uh, to and from hmm. um, and you know we'll always that that's just a strong part of our testimony that God wanted us in yeah. Texas at that time. So this would have been in March of, or probably toward the end of February, but in March of 1980. So we went to the wedding. Um, we stayed with my sister, uh, who lives outside Austin, and s- spent the time there with them. Well, uh, here's where the real of the crux of the testimony comes in. While, uh, m- well, my sister talked my wife into going to what she referred to as a women's dinner, uh, which obviously we have not been steeped in the church at that point, certainly not in the contemporary church of that day. Yeah. So, you know, Kim, my wife, just thought, well, you know, it's just time to hang out with women. And so she went to that. I had no idea what it was either, but they took off, and I stayed at the house with my brother-in-law, who I uh, had a great relationship with a number of years, and they had come, my sister and her husband had come to Christ several years before that. And they would do the normal stuff, you know, we're praying for you, and they were never really heavy-handed about it, but they just always kind of kept this stuff in front of us. So while my wife was at the women's dinner, um, my brother-in-law asked me if I'd be willing to listen to some tapes from a teacher they'd been listening to who was very much into what was going on in the world and in the culture. And Mm -hmm. that just fed into my uh, interest uh, of you know, world affairs and that sort of thing. So right. sat down and started listening, and, and the short story on that one is it was a prophetic Bible teacher uh, focusing on the end times. Uh. And he was he was saying things on these tapes 
that were echoing what I'd been reading in the newspapers. Wow. Like what? Well, well, for example, like gold prices and about the, the growth of the one world government. And it's been so long ago, I can't remember a lot yeah. of the details of it. But it, it just had to do with the culture about, um, right. the, you know, the, the, the change in the culture, the expansion of sin. So, so this is 1980. So, it's you know, it's 20 years after the sexual revolution. So, you know, he's reflecting on those things. But he's casting it in the form of this is how God said it would be during this period of time in yeah. history. And that just connected with me. I, it just it just interested me. So um, we finished the tapes, and I went to bed. My wife hadn't come home yet. And laying there in the dark, in the bed, uh, I just yeah, I didn't walk an aisle. I didn't. I don't think I followed the the four steps. <laughs> uh, all I know is, all I remember is laying in that bed in the dark, and being totally confronted with the failure of my life at that point. Mm. And this connected reality between the Bible and what was going on in the world. And so I remembered, you know, I had these vague remembrances. So I remembered this Jesus from uh, from vacation Bible school and what little Sunday school I did. And I, I just simply said, uh, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, and at this point I'm, I'm out of options, uh, I have totally screwed up my life. It's obvious I don't I don't have the ability to run my life well. So if you can do better, and at this point I'm out of options, you take my life and do with it as you wish. And I rolled over and went to sleep. Wow, wait, let me stop you right there. That's amazing in, in itself. I mean, so at that time, it sounds like, for one, you weren't quite sure about your faith, that you were saying, if, if you're there. Yeah. And, and let me ask you this, was this your brother-in-law's intention to do to sort of spark this interest or was it just you know a, an organic thing where he he presented these uh audio tapes for you to listen to but without any intention behind it what was that the plan to, for him to get you i really don't know i really don't mm. know uh it, it my only assumption can be was that this would like i told you before they they'd been saved and were very mm. on fire for the lord but they weren't really heavy-handed about it. So as far as I know or concerned, Bob was just following the leading of the Holy Spirit and yeah. and was moving along the street. You know, and for all I know, he, he thought, and I probably should have asked him about this at some point, but he <laughs> probably just thought, well, you know, maybe this will help him. Maybe this will nudge him toward a decision. I'm, well, I'm sure, but... Well, Gary, one other thing, though, is I think that what's remarkable about what you're describing is that you were really kind of candid with yourself. You were honest with yourself about where you were in your life and, and, and your need for help. I mean, how hard was it to kind of reach that point? Um, that, that's a really superb question and one that I'm not, uh, I'm not fully uh, capable of answering. I will just say this, that, that uh, a part of my character and nature, as long as I can remember, uh, has been to try to be intellectually honest. I've just tried to look at things factually and and try to be a critical thinker. Uh, so I'll give you a, an example. Growing up, and even in my early years, uh, I grew up in a family. Uh, my father is full Japanese. It was the first Tereshita born on American soil. Um, and my mother is from Central Texas. 
mm-hmm. and grew up poor and and frankly and you know this is only pejorative where it applies to the to certain members but it was a redneck family mm-hmm. so i grew up um hearing blatant racism from yeah. these aunts and uncles and even about my dad i mean my dad was never accepted really in the family yeah. And I I can remember as far back as I can think or have any memories, I can remember thinking, you know, that's just not right. Mm-hmm. Why why is somebody bad because their skin is black or because they don't come from America or whatever? Right. So, and I believe that that's, for me, I believe that that's the inherent Imago Dei. That's, that's the inherent nature that God places in every person who's willing to be honest about it, mm-hmm. uh, of what is right and what is wrong. So I, yeah. you know, all that just to say that, that uh, I, I think when it came to the point where, uh, kind of like I said in my prayer, I'm out of options, uh, I was, it just didn't make any other sense to me. It didn't make yeah. sense to, to obfuscate or, or try to make excuses or rationalize, or I was out of all that. I was just out of those situation. So sounds almost like what you're describing too was that there was a yearning even from an early age, if you will, that connected all of this for you somehow. Probably. Uh so and I don't want to miss this part of the story. Yeah, please. Uh because uh and even I today uh lament in the church um that there's not more talk about sin and repentance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And in that prayer I didn't repent of my sins. I didn't you know I didn't deal with um, the issue of needing to have my sins forgiven. It, uh, I just surrendered. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that is that when I woke up the next morning, and I'm, I'll backtrack and tell you what what was going on with my wife <laughs> while I was doing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because that is that is a quintessential part of the story. Um, when I got up the next morning, I, I was a completely, or I shouldn't say completely, I was a radically different person. That's incredible. Wow. I I stopped drinking cold. <laughs> uh I canceled my subscription to Playboy magazine immediately. And I went from that hedonistic I'm going to be a millionaire guy to on our we drove a car back to California. We ended up cashing it in and and driving a car back to California. And um the entire way driving back to California my time was spent driving and searching the radio for preachers. Wow! On the radio, when I got well, home, my time was other than trying to to uh, uh, save salvage the construction company. I spent my time sitting in the living room in my chair watching the television with TBN or whatever it was that that time, watching a television preacher with a tape, biblical tape of some kind, playing in my ear with my Bible open on my lap. Well, Gary, wait a minute. How do you explain this? I mean, this is like a radical transformation, literally overnight. I mean, that's. I mean, how do you explain that? It was a sovereign act of God. Wow. I surrendered. Okay. I said, "You take wow. it." He said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> and he did. And, yeah. I, and I can tell you unequivocally right now, Alec, that from that day to this day, wow. I've had my little detours, not so much into sin, but but less focused on the perfect will of God, okay? Yeah. And I can yeah. explain that if you're interested. But Please, please. But, but from that point to this day, I have, never, I have never wavered from my commitment uh, to Jesus Christ. 
Hey, so let's take a quick break. I want to tell you about this cool new product I just learned about. It's called Mark, M-A-R-C. It's a brochure with video content running inside it. Picture a business card, but it's about the size of a tablet. It's light, made of paper, and opens up like a book and plays your video. It's perfect for a business wanting to pitch a product or service to their customers. What makes Mark really cool is the data you get back. It's the first video brochure to use 5G technology, which means you'll know how many of your marks were opened, how many times, for how long, and more. Learn more about Mark by visiting the ad on my radio webpage, or by clicking on the banner ad on the HLE radio homepage, or by visiting markmedia.io. That's M-A-R-C-Media.io. Okay, let's get back to the show. Let me just back up for a second. So, so how is your wife receiving all this? She must be thinking, well, who is this person? Oh, that's great. That's a perfect segue. So while I'm in bed, she's uh, coming back from this, uh, quote, ladies' dinner, unquote. Turns out it was a ladies' dinner, but it was at a church. <laughs> and uh, they, they, brought it, they brought in a speaker. And, uh, and I, I'd love to tell you the whole story. But what it was down to is my wife sat there, and as soon as she figured out that she'd been snookered <laughs> in, into, a, into a religious uh, situation, yeah. she just sat there and started fuming <laughs> uh, at my sister, at the speaker, at the women around her, fuming. And at one point, uh, she started fuming at God. Oh wow! How, how dare you? I mean, the, mm. but here's here's the brilliance of my wife. Also, it clicked in her head. Wait a minute! I'm talking to a God I don't believe in. <laughs> There's a contradiction there, isn't there? <laughs> exactly. And so she shut up mentally and started listening mm. to what was going on. So my my sister, who is one of the most lovely people you'll ever meet in your entire life, um. They leave. They're in the car coming back. My wife is holding uh, what's left of a Jello salad. You know that. <laughs> yeah. um, they're driving along, and it's it's dead quiet because Betty, my sister, knows Kim is fuming or was. <laughs> but it's so it's deathly quiet. But you know, Betty's driving, so she's not really paying attention to to Kim. And then out of the blue, Kim says, "Betty." I want that Jesus that lady was talking about tonight. Wow. She literally ran off the road into a ditch and bathed oh my, my wife in the jello salad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but they sat there on in the ditch on the side of the road and my wife prayed to receive Christ. Wow. So this, hold on, this is literally the same night that you prayed and then you with your conversion it, it this happened to your wife the same the same night. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. The interesting part of the story is that so she comes to bed. I'm already asleep, and she's thinking, "Oh my God, how am I going to tell? <laughs> how am I going to tell Gary this? Huh? He, he's going to be. He's not going to like this at all." And when I wake up the next morning, I'm thinking, "How am I going to? How am I going to? You know?" So and again, in God's providence, um, I get up. I'm late to get up. Everybody else is up. I get up, walk into the kitchen, and as I'm walking toward the kitchen, I'm overhearing them talking about Kim's experience the night before to, with mm -hmm. Bob, because Bob hadn't heard the whole thing either. Mm 
my brother-in-law. So I come around the corner and I say, "Hey, hey, that that Jesus, yeah, I, I did that last night too." <laughs> she must have been shocked. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but but it was a glorious thing. I mean, it just broke into you know, it just broke into this worship session of a, of an unusual kind. Wow. So that's basically that's basically how it's happened. And you know, the the other functional thing here, Alec, that that I'd like for you to know is that. Um, I also knew, just like that radical transformation we were talking about earlier, I also knew, I, I had an innate sense, it wasn't really clear to me, but I had an innate sense that I also could no longer uh, spend my time, and I knew I'd still have to make a living, but yeah. uh, I knew I could no longer spend the bulk of my time pursuing things that weren't directly beneficial to the kingdom of God. So what did that mean? Because you, know, you had this failing business in construction, and you come back to that world. So how did you change? What did you do differently? <laughs> well, and, and again, it's really long. It's a, a long story between <laughs> yeah. between going back to California and, and, by the way, two weeks later we were turned around and moving back to Texas. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, there's so many miracles involved here, so many yeah. uh, acts of providence of the Lord. But So there was obviously a transition. But ultimately where that lead it, led was um, I – ended up going into pastoral training within uh, probably a year. No, it might have been two years after my conversion, somewhere in that 18-month, two-year. Um, I went into pastoral training with a uh, the pastor of a church where we were attending, and he called it the Timothy program. So I've not been to seminary, but I went through a six, basically a six-year program of wow. intensive Bible training, homiletics, hermeneutics, hermeneutics, the whole nine yards. Uh, but it was kind of OJT, too, because I was also doing staff work and that sort of mm. thing. Ultimately became, I was children's pastor for a number of years, my wife and I, and then I did counseling and associate pastor and that sort of thing. And that that's what led me into Christian publishing, which is where I'm where I've concluded. Well, gosh, that's that, that seems like a pretty big leap. So you literally kind of just shed this other life, if you will, and, and, and then move into this, uh, training and that, how did that lead you into publishing though? Well, because, uh, in training, uh, now this is back in the day before there was any internet or anything like that. So uh, <laughs> if you wanted training, you had to have books. Ah. So, and, and a lot of these books are pretty expensive. You know, these, uh, Hebrew Greek lexicons and, the uh, the commentaries and all those you know, resources, uh, concordances, all that stuff's fairly expensive, and we weren't yeah. doing all that well financially, but we were happier than we'd ever been. Um, <laughs> so I, I befriended uh, the owner of the local Christian bookstore, and he would let me come in and borrow books, you know, ah. for a day or so at a time. And that led to him uh, in, uh, in offering me a position at the local Christian bookstore there in Austin, Texas. And that that only lasted for about three months or so. And I took over the general managership of that uh, bookstore. Then I transitioned to another bookstore in the Dallas area when we moved. And that's where David C. Cook found me and offered yeah. me a sales position. Uh, Robin and Holman, uh, a couple of years later, offered me a position. I worked in sales for them for four years. And then in 1999, we were still in Dallas, in 1999, uh, Robin Holman offered me a, um editorial position. And I took it, and we moved to Nashville, and there's been a lot of stuff that's happened since then, but that's ultimately culminated where Oliver North and I have started 
Fidelis Publishing and continued my pursuit to uh, benefit the kingdom by publishing books that encourage maturity in the Christian and also uh, applying Christianity to the culture. Well, hold on here. So we're talking about the famous Ollie North, right? The one yeah. who uh, worked uh, uh, in the Reagan. Uh, oh yeah. During the during the time of Ronald Reagan, and and of course. Um, has gone on to do a number of other things. I think he ran for the Senate as well. But so to tell us about your life today. I mean, it sounds like, you know, it's a, you couldn't possibly have imagined you'd be where you are today, given where you were once. But what's this life now like with your family and in your, and in your career? I mean, how does it differ from where you started uh, before, before all this? It, it's, it, it's very difficult to, um, make these comparisons, Alec, because it, it really is a, it is a full transformation. Yeah. You know, the Bible talks about uh, the new birth and being a new creation, yeah. and that's not metaphorical. That is literal. Yeah. Uh, when, when someone comes to Christ and surrenders their lives to the Lordship of Christ and, and gives themselves over to the discipline of knowing God and making him known, primarily through his word and through prayer, um, you are not, you are transformed from the inside out, but that also begins to manifest itself in your environment. So all my, all my kids love the Lord. Uh, all my grandkids are coming up in that, uh, in that discipline. Yeah. My, my heart's prayer has been for many years now that, um, I, I don't necessarily, I don't really need to be remembered by my uh, legacy, my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and so forth. But what I do want is I want the, the legacy of the knowledge of the gospel that we've inculcated from, and, and Kim and uh, our marriage has been a transformation in, in both our families, I mean, you know, from our parents and backward. Uh, it's a completely different path from where each, uh, each of us grew up. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, the, there, there were, and again, this, this could go into a long story, but our, our growing up, as you might have picked up on from my early testimony, my, I didn't grow up in a home that was uh, immersed in the Bible and in yeah. prayer, and neither was my wife. Right. So the, the, the path we've taken, the Lord has brought us down, is, is very different from where we grew up. So our prayer has been, and will continue to be, that that knowledge, we, we can't determine whether or not our kids and our grandkids are going to come to Christ. That's an individual uh, decision that every person has to make on their own, and, and that's the only way it can be done. God doesn't have any grandchildren. Um, <laughs> so, but they, they don't even have that opportunity if they don't know about the gospel. So our goal our legacy is to perpetuate that knowledge that the gospel is the truth for all eternity. So I think you started out by asking me the difference in the life. It's, it's a completely different life. You know, in the early life, and I, I know a lot of people still struggle with this uh, in and out of the church, but finances are a constant problem. I mean, they're yeah. just constantly a problem. I mean, we're talking about in our culture today, with COVID and, and everything else uh, that's going on, people losing their jobs, having declining income. Uh, right. Finances are, are a ubiquitous problem. Yeah. Kim and I really haven't dealt with that problem 
for it's been decades probably. Yeah. Because because when you, when you make when that transformation is made, you understand you come into the knowledge that that God is not just this far off, all powerful, all knowing being. He he tells us to refer to him not only just as father, but as daddy, the mm-hmm. Abba. That that intensely personal relationship of a child and his father or her father. When you come into the full knowledge of that, how are you ever going to come up short on anything that is good? Mm. And finance is just one of those. So the pursuit of a million dollars is so so completely irrelevant to me, and it has been for a lot of years. So I guess that's one aspect of yeah. uh, the, the the transcendent difference between the person I was pre-1980 and the person I am today. Well, Gary, I got to tell you, this is such a an incredible story, and I just want to thank you for sharing it. Unfortunately, we're out of time here, but it's it's an amazing story. So thank you so much uh, for sharing your testimony. It's really been inspiring. Well, I appreciate that, Alec, and, and I have I do nothing more important than this. Thanks for listening to About Faith with Alec Klein. Please stay tuned for our next episode airing on HLE Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and replayed Sundays at 5 p.m. Central. We'll be hearing inspiring stories from people from all walks of life sharing with us their journey to faith. I'd love to hear from listeners. Please reach out to me through my website, alekklein.net. That's A-L-E-C-K-L-E-I-N dot net. Until next time, have a great week.